Sarah, did you ever get that letter I sent you? You did. I did. With the, like, it had Wait. all the cats on it? Did that ever come to you? What? Oh. You sent me a letter full of cats? I sent you the most amazing letter. I didn't get a letter. Chicago Mail. You're probably going to get it in like three years. You'll be like, God damn it. Is that really a thing? I saw Julie James talking about getting a package from 2014 on Twitter the other day. It is the realest thing. Like, well, it's so I, fucking Why? Real. What's wrong with mail in Chicago? Aren't you Sh- run by the federal government, too? I mean, which works so well. <laughs> I don't know, you guys. I'm just telling you. This is like a well-known... Like, here, here's a true story about me and the Chicago Mail. My mom, my son forgot something at her house, so she mails it back to us. And she sent me the tracking number. So it's like a, you know, United States Postal Service mail thing. Like like a, whatever, priority mail. And I look up the tracking number that night. And it is like literally the following things. It's like 1.26 p.m. Item delivered. 1.27 p.m. Address unknown. And then later that afternoon, they sent it back to my mom. <laughs> and it never got there. To your mom. It just disappeared into the ether. Well, Julie James got a package five years later. But I will say this. You sent me a package uh, with Vanessa North's new book on a jump drive. I sure did. And I got that right away. Well, rem- right after we recorded our epistolary uh, episode, I sent you a letter. Oh, a handwritten Jen, letter. I want a with, letter. With Wonder Woman stamps. What? I don't have that. That makes and me I sad. Was suggested, it? I don't know. I, was I it just a great remember. Letter? Did you tell me how much you love me? I did. It was a really good letter. It had cats on the front. And I think I suggested that you should like give your one of your characters a pet. And then like suggested a bunch of very funny cat names. And it's all gone now. Oh. Sad. Was one of them Joyce? Probably James Joyce, Could have been. Molly Bloom. Could have been. Well, all our pres- all our cats. We've had a bunch of cats that are all named after presidents or a president adjacent. So oh. we had a, a Clinton, an Ike. Our cats now are Malia, named after Malia Obama, mm-hmm. and Maddie, named after Madison. Mm. We believe in, in we believe in a naming protocol. Ah, that's great. I think it really helps. Well, like any other dog you have, you should definitely name. After a artist. female artist. Yes. We really actually probably should. It just, um, it's like a, it you know, just narrows the pool. It's just, that is, I do like that. I like that as a naming protocol. Um, my, the fun, the fun story about our dog is that our dog's name is Kahlo. Um, and my daughter, who is five and a half, is wild about Frida Kahlo, like has pictures of her in her room. And like we went we live in Brooklyn and we went to Brooklyn. Uh, the Brooklyn Museum was the only museum in the United States to get the Frida Kahlo, the, tra- the Frida Kahlo exhibit from the Frida Kahlo Museum in Mexico. Awesome. Um, so, you know, and people were like traveling from all over the country to go to Brooklyn to see this museum. Um, And we are members of the museum. And um, because we are members and we live within walking distance to the museum, my daughter saw it three times. Um, And I think she just thinks that everyone gets access to like all this cool stuff all the time, which we talked about before. It's raising a kid in a city is a really weird thing. It's a total mindfuck for a parent for a a parent who did not grow up in a city. Oh, yeah. Because she's just basically like I remember when she was two or three, she was obsessed with the Statue of Liberty and 
Um, you know, she dresses the Statue of Liberty for Halloween and she would talk to people about the Statue of Liberty and somebody came to visit and she said, now, do you have a Statue of Liberty at your house? <laughs> and the woman we who our visitor was like, um, no, because the Statue There's of Liberty one. is, you know, a pretty big deal. And my daughter was like, oh, <laughs> like, well, do you have do you have any statues? <laughs> like, she, she was like, clearly everyone just has a statue because our I mean, the other weird thing. I mean, her life is crazy because she lives in New York City and it just is like she has all these wild. I remember um, a babysitter once took her out. I was working on a deadline for something and. The babysitter sent me a proof of life photo and it was my daughter sitting in an auditorium watching a string quartet and she was maybe like 18 months old. And I was like, where are you? How did you come upon a classical music concert? And the babysitter was like, don't worry about it. It's fine. So, okay. So we were adopting this dog um, and I was holding him and she said, I want to name it Frida. And I said, okay, like gender is a construct. Fine. Um, and then I said, but you know, he, he's a boy. And so I just want you to be prepared. Like people are going to ask. And she said, right. well, can we name him Kahlo? And I was like, we absolutely can name him whatever you like. And she was like, Kahlo, Kahlo. So now he's Kahlo. And literally the number of times people are like, who, what? <laughs> he gets called Carlo all the time. Um, and my daughter is constantly like, Carlo, like Frida. Oh my God. That's so amazing. Such a jerk. <laughs> I know. I love it, though. I'm actually really into that story. Like, city privilege is so real, oh, right? So real. We were in London, and we went into the British Museum, and my daughter was like, okay. Well, where are the mummies? <laughs> because in the Brooklyn Museum. So this is something really interesting. And I have a lot of opinions about the British Museum now, um, which, you know, this is supposed to be a short topper. So I won't get into them here. But um, colonialism isn't great is the sort of shorthand for it. Well, you saw in Black Panther, right? Essentially, it's that Black Panther scene where he arrives. Have you seen that movie? No. <gasps> There's, I know. I have. Okay. I'm, I it's superheroes. It's I fine. Don't, I but don't you know, know what? For every there's a I scene should. where he walks into a museum and a white curator essentially is telling him about Wakanda, and he is just like like a colonizer. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. So, but what's interesting here is so we got the, so the the Brooklyn Museum, and I'm told by a friend of mine who is an art historian that this is a very like this is a sort of way of existing with mummies in your collection that is becoming more and more common and Mm -hmm. is actually really important. But the Brooklyn Museum has, I don't know, four or five mummies um, in collection. And the reason why they have these mummies is because they had the sarcophagi um, you know, they bought these sarcophagi and the sarcophagi I guess come with like mummy inside. Um, And then but for many, and so in many museums, they show this, like, the sarcophagus, but they remove the mummy and, like, just keep it in storage. Like, so there's, like, a dead person. 
like in storage somewhere. Just in store, like on a shelf somewhere. And the Brooklyn Museum and many, I think others too, I don't want to say that Brooklyn like invented this, but one of the very cool things about the Brooklyn Museum when you go to their um, Egyptian room is you can see the sarcophagi, um, but you can also see they have exhibited, the, the lights are very low and it's very quiet and they have signs that sort of say like, please respect the artifacts and they've exhibited the mummy in his or her wrapping yeah like under glass like in a sort of very respectful glass space yeah that you can walk around and you can so you can both learn about mummification and the process but it's quiet and it's like thought it's very like if you're gonna show a mummy it's like very this was a person right like it's acknowledges that this is a person who had beliefs and it's like culturally sensitive and i mean it's brooklyn right like it it's all the things that you expect from brooklyn um and my daughter loves the egyptian room i think in part because she you know we've talked about it she's sort of aware like she has that sort of six-year-old fascination with the fact that it's a body yeah Sure. Um, and then when we got to the British Museum, she was like, I want to see the mummies. And we went. And aside from just like, oh, it's just so many people and everything's yeah. packed in. So then we got to this. So we got there and she was like looking at this like, I mean, very respectable sarcophagus. <laughs> but no, like no acknowledgement that like this was a human or that yeah. no mummy. And she's like, where's the mummy? And I was like, there's there's no mummy like. That mummy's in storage. And she was like, ours is better. (laughs) She just, like, walked away, like, past the Rosetta Stone to, like, be cranky and, like, ask me. She was fascinated by, like, all the collection bins. The British Museum are these, like, circular glass uh, bins that are filled, that have money in them. And she kept saying, like, Mommy, can I have money to throw in these? (laughs) To throw in this bin? And I was like, no, we, like, no, I need that money to live. But yeah, like that's city privilege when you're like my mummies. The mummies in my museum are better, are better than, the than the mummies in your museum. I know. London. <laughs> really kind of over the top for sure. You know, here's what I was thinking about city privilege. Uh, the reason we are here, despite our many digressions, we haven't done this in a while, is we did a joint panel with the Wicked Wallflowers at RWA in New York City. Yes. Uh, welcome, everyone, to Faded Mates. <laughs> yes. I was like, hello, please. You know who we are by now. But you know what was really amazing, like, city privilege-wise is, or, like, maybe it's not privilege. We were in Times Square, and my hotel room literally overlooked, like, Times Square. Like, you could see yeah. the ball. I didn't know it was basically just up all year. Yeah. And I was like, this hotel room must go for bonkers. Bonkers. Right? The rent on that hotel room is very high. Oh, yeah. It was nice to have in July, but I was like, woo. And thank God for blackout curtains, everyone. Because it's a lot of light. Yeah. Sleeping with, I had, and the the hotel bills it as like, and you have a view of Times Square. (laughs) The New Yorker and me was like, that's not a good thing. (laughs) <laughs> oh, God, no. My brother and his partner lived there for a while, and I will never forget we were walking through Times Square, and he was like, uh, let's get out of the blast zone. Like, just, it was like, a like, people just everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, it was amazing. It really was something else. Yeah. 
I mean, I actually just recently took uh, my daughter to Times Square for the first time because New Yorkers don't go to Times Square. Um, of course. And she And it was actually really cool to see it through her eyes because she was like – Oh, I bet. Amazed by it. I mean, the big screens yes. and the flashing lights and she was like, look how beautiful that is. And I was like, that's an ad for lush <laughs> cosmetics. Like, you know, but like right. she just like – Every, like, you, seeing it through her eyes was really oh, I'm fascinating. Oh, sure it was wild. Um, and, you know, really, really, really cool. But, no, Times Square's gross. <laughs> um, okay. So, welcome everybody to Faded Mates. Eric is going to be upset that we went 15 minutes before saying that. So I'm not sure oh, where our... You know um, what? He can, like, cut it out and put yeah. it at the front if he needs I'm to. I'm not sure where our... <laughs> theme music is going to go in this episode but whatever it's actually we're going to pretend this is like one of those episodes of television where um it's sort of like out of time yeah you know there's that episode of the west wing that aaron sorkin yeah. wrote right after 9-11 and it's like just pretend the rest of the west wing story isn't happening right now um it's like that pretend <laughs> the rest of the fate of mate story isn't happening right now although you don't know what what the fate of mate story is for season two um They'll find out soon enough. Josh Lyman was just shot. It's really tragic. <laughs> and so that's an that's a West Wing joke no one is gonna get. So you can get that like, out too. I love you. So the we did a live show. Yeah, it was uh, so fun. With the Wicked Wallflowers with Jenny and Sarah as part of Librarian and Blogger Day. Yeah. And it was really fun. It was super fun. Here's we're just gonna actually pretty much let it roll and lightly listen to it. The thing that was really fun about the episode, though, and I think will be maybe an interstitial we do sometime in season two, is we essentially had, like, stump Sarah and Jen. Yeah. Like, just, like, so it's, and it's, oh, they didn't have a lot of time. I think it was maybe two or three people at the end, like, sort of had questions. And we are going to figure out a way to essentially, like, when we're recording, people can tweet at us. Or we'll figure it out because it was super fun to do that. And we had a great time. Melody from Heaving Bosoms was in the room. Also at RWA, we saw Clayton and Aaron from Learning the Tropes. Who else was there? Did uh, we see the else? Big Gay Podcast. Oh, um, yeah. Jeff and Will from the Jeff Big and Gay Will. Fiction Podcast. And big shout out to Steve Amadown from the uh, Pop Culture Library at Bowling Green. Steve, was there. we love you. We love you. We love you. Steve has featured Faded Mates as a pin of the day. On oh, yeah. Twitter, we love you. Yeah. Um, also, we did a panel while we were at RWA with Lindsay Emery, mm-hmm. who does the Women in Books podcast, and Laura Von Holtz. Who does the Mermaid podcast. Is that yeah. the actual name of it? I think so. Okay. We'll link to all these podcasts in, slow, in show notes. But heads up, uh, Wednesday podcast listeners, Faded Mates and Wicked Wallflowers come out. They, we both come out on Wednesdays. You are, Jenny and Sarah are going to record Topper 2, but the actual meat of the episode is going to be... Right. The same. The same. So if you already listen to them... It's not like they have half and we have half. Stop listening to us after <laughs> this. Um, but we love you and we cannot wait to be back. Um, we are going to come back. We'll be back uh, next Soon. week. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? A big shout out to all the bloggers and all the librarians and all the people that love books and tell all the readers about all the great books out there in the world. It was really, yeah, like literally an honor to be in front of them. Yeah, it was really, really fun. And we hope you guys had as much fun as we did. 
and off we go. Okay, we are ready to begin our podcast recording of the <laughs> Faded Mates and Wicked Wallflowers podcast. And since they are the experts at this, they're going to introduce themselves. Tell Jen's pointing at me to start. Well, Jenny's going to start. As usual, I'm making notes about the podcast during the podcast. <laughs> this is the same. Yeah. Um, so we we are the Wicked Wallflowers. Hello. Yay. <laughs> this is Sarah yes. Holly. Yes, that is my name, Sarah Holly. This is Jenny Nornbach. Um, and we, I wanted them to go first because I had a really good line, which was their show might be about Cressley Cole, but we've actually had Cressley Cole on our show. Which is a whole so, lot of shade for she, Saturday yeah. morning. Yeah. We, I think that means we, yeah. we own Cressley. She, she also said she'd us. like to come back. Yeah, yeah. So, We're friends now. I don't. Yeah. She does not want to come back to us. <laughs> <laughs> so we mostly interview awesome people from Romancelandia, and that's often authors, but editors, agents, librarians, um, booksellers, a whole variety of people. Uh, male dominance, sometimes. We did have a male dominance. dominance. Sex, uh, sex toy designers. Toy designers um, just cool people who like are down with sex positivity and female empowerment and love romance. So. Yeah. And we've been going for almost two years now. Yeah, we're coming up on our 100th episode. Um, Which... We... <laughs> We've had both Jen and Sarah on, um, yep. and it bears pointing out the lovely lady at the front of the room who's taking a picture is Melody Carlisle of the Heaving Bosoms podcast. Yay, Melody! <laughs> Who we also adore. I feel like we're like siblings, the three of us. <laughs> we are, and we have the same names. Yeah, and we've got Jen's and Sarah's. Yeah, yeah. Well, Melody's out. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right going to have to change your name. Cousins, how about that? Okay. Um, we are Faded Mates. And I'm Sarah. I'm Jen. And uh, my mic work? Okay. It's okay. <laughs> very familiar. Get closer, get closer, get right up on it. Our producer was like, you just need to get right up on it. And I was like, that feels really dirty. It's, it's on brand. Um, and Jen and I met online uh, because we both have what I would refer to as sort of a gentle obsession with Cressley Cole, um, who I should say, people are always very surprised to hear this, but I've never met Cressley. We are not friends. Like, I'm just generally obsessed with her books. Um, and Jen and I talked, and these guys too. I mean, Sarah has a whole spreadsheet about Cressley oh, yeah. Cole. Um, yeah, that's how I express like, love. This could be a panel about <laughs> Cressley Cole if we needed it to be. Um, and... We decided we talked so much about Cressley Cole that we should just record it for other people, for like the 12 other people that would like to listen to Maybe us like talk. 18 on a good day. Yeah, for 45 hours about the Cressley Cole, you know, oeuvre. Um, and then we decided, uh, so we decided to do that. Um, and I want to just shout out Pocket Books has sent all of you copies of our favorite uh, Cressley Cole novels. You will leave here with one of these four, which is, we think that any one of these four will get you into the Cressley world yes. um, and, and keep you there. Um, but uh, then we decided we were going to do these interstitial episodes every other week that would be 10 minutes long. No time. We wouldn't have to think about them. 
Um, we just pick a trope and like recommend two books and be done and it would be great. Just a little nugget. And now those are like five hours long. <laughs> Listen to all these books about chefs that we want to talk about. I'm going to talk about one today. And so that's what we do. We, um, we are actually finished with season one. We just recorded the last episode. We recorded Cressley's Wicked Abyss. So that's a read-along podcast, the first hour. Uh, the, the main episodes. Right. Um, we had uh, Alyssa Coles in the back of the room and we recorded an episode with her where I was like, Alyssa, you need to turn off your air conditioning or your ceiling fan. And there was this long pause and she's like, those are like the frogs outside my window. And I was like... (laughs) Our producer was like, what the hell, you guys? I was like, but can you turn off the frogs? I'm I'm a city girl, just like, flip. Yeah. He's like... Um, am I being punked right now? <laughs> am I being punished? By frogs. Yeah. So the other piece we thought we would intro with was uh, like funny librarian, blogger, like our relation to you stories. And I was like, I got nothing. And then I realized I have something. I am oh, I that person wait. who is constantly swearing at my Kindle because it's always on airplane mode and I want to download a new book, but I can't because then my library books that are already due will like disappear again. <laughs> and I know other people in this room relate to this. My husband is always like, well, you are psycho. Like what is going on? Just like read the books when you're supposed to read them and like read the ones that are due next. And I'm like, but I want that one. Works. Yeah. You so. act on impulse. Um, I have an embarrassing blog story uh, so years ago, when I was, I thought I would start a romance review blog, specifically focusing on like how sexy they were, and I had this like heat meter and this whole like snarky post where I was like, "This is fire flames," because I woo. Um, and I don't know how I did this to this day. I posted one thing and then somehow invited a guy I knew from high school to like it. <laughs> Click the like share with your contacts. I don't know if it shared with anyone more than him. That is the only person who reached out because he thought he recognized my voice. It was anonymous, but he was like, did you just send me something about sex in books? Um, And he had like a crush on me in high school that was not reciprocated. And I was like, no, that was not me. Definitely not me. Immediately deleted the blog. We will never talk about it again. Um, like I was a huge librarian kid, um, and my son thinks this is like the funniest story, so I'll tell it to you, which is I grew up in, outside of Cleveland, so I was part of the Cuyahoga County library system, which is amazing, by the way, and I might still, if, I might still use my mom's library card for their ebook collection, which is, if you can get one of those, it's like crack, they have everything. Um, I still live there, totally. Anyway, I, my mom had to go into the library because, you know, you can only check out, like, 20 books at a time. <laughs> Amateurs. And they had to, like, make a special borrowing dispensation for childhood gen up to 50. Because I was, like, a, like I was a super borrower. And so I would check out, like, 50 books at a time, which seems crazy. But we had a whole system in my house where, you, like, all the library, library books got stacked up in, like, the kitchen counter. So I would just, like, put them back there. And then I think every two weeks we would go to the library. So... Um, all this information about like publishers trying to make it harder to access libraries like breaks my tiny little reader heart because you guys are doing all the work for all the readers. So thank you. Well, I was going to tell a different story, but I hadn't heard your story. And so now I'm going to tell, because we're fated mates. So um, when I was a baby, when I was like 11, 
I discovered the back corner of the Lincoln Public Library in Rhode Island uh, where the lights were turned off and what could possibly be in there? And the answer is all the romance novels. And I was like, what's in these dark corridors? I'm gonna read every book with Fabio on it. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you want, you want small children to read romance novels? Turn the lights off, is my answer to that. And so the librarian, so for a while I would like sort of wander through children's and young fiction and then like kind of take a, a left in into the dark corners. Um, and like, you know, stand by the window and like read by the window in the, in the dark. And then I was like, well, I gotta take these books home. Like I can't read them all here. Um, so I tried to check one out when I was like 11 and my librarian was like, um, Sarah, I'm gonna say that your mom needs to approve of this because this is not, you know, for 11 year olds because it was like gentle rogue or something. <laughs> no, you guys, it was probably Bertree Small and her like weird like lactation porn. <laughs> Um, no kink shaming. Very big fan of Sky O'Malley. Um, and so she, my mom was like in the library because I was 11, and she called my mom over and was like, Sarah, you know, I think you need to know that Sarah wants to take out these romance novels. And my mom was like, and? And I was Good like, mom. yeah, mom! <laughs> So I think I might have been the only kid in Lincoln who, was, who had like special mom dispensation special mom. to take out Bertree's small porn. I discovered the really good romance novels, which would be Karen Robards, were actually in the fiction shelves as opposed to like on the spinners. Ooh, oh. And when I discovered that, I was like, whew, I think I was also like 13. Let your teenagers read romance, everybody. I know. It teaches about so much good stuff, like consent and how you should enjoy sex with your yeah. partner. Yeah, Jenny sent me down the romance rabbit hole in college. I hadn't touched a romance novel until sophomore year, maybe. And then I would start making weekend trips to, um, I would take like the, the dash to downtown Los Angeles to the Central Library, where I actually work right now. And I would come back with like piles of romance novels. I just, my backpack is stuffed full with 20 of them. And I'm just in my room like, how did I never know? Once she lived in like the attic of the house I that did. we were in. Yeah, so it's it kind of like, like having a friendly ghost. Sarah locked in the attic and be like, you need to come out. Like, <laughs> at least come down to my room and have wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the structure of today's episode is we're going to just talk about some favorites and then we thought it might be fun at the end. Jenny's going to go into the audience and like ask people to like shout out a trope and see if you can stump Stump me and Sarah, and Sarah, if she wants to play. Oh, God. We didn't Claire, I'm going we, out yeah. into the audience because they pitched this idea, and I was like, if you try and shout out tropes at me, I'm going to forget I've ever read a book. Yeah. No. Like, I'll just and, be like, and Sarah and I are going to be like, challenge accepted. Yes. <laughs> but like, don't, you know, I mean, go easy on us. Yeah. Wait, so are we doing recent reads or are we doing favorite reads? I think we should do favorites. Well, I mean, get ready. I don't know. Would you guys rather? And this, oh, also, have we told everybody that this is being recorded and we're going to put it oh, online? Yeah. yeah. Okay, you're all, you've all given consent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For your laughter no. to be. Exactly. Um, what, well, what would you rather have? Would you rather have favorite reads or recent reads? Favorite. It's always favorite. And the answer yep. is Derek Craven forever. Oh. But we're like, we're just gonna what about wait, Lisa Kleypas is dreaming of you. And it's possible that there are, co oh, Jen even has the bling that says it, that proves it's true. Derek Craven forever. <laughs> Derek Craven is the, her the hero of Lisa Kleypas' Dreaming of You. I think Avon has sent copies of that book here today, too, but we are looking for boxes. Yeah. 
Um, and also the, the heroine is named Sarah, so maybe you are projecting because you want to be with Derek Craven. I do want to yeah. be with Derek Craven. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Who does not? Um, yeah. All right, I'll go. Okay. I'm going to embarrass the shit out of Sarah McLean oh. and Ooh. just throw Brazen and the Beast out there immediately. Um, it's so good. Thank you. Is, is it... Sarah, we just had a conversation about how uh, podcasting and doing these deep dives into Cresley's work and into just thinking more critically about lots of other writers' work has impacted Sarah's writing, and it shows in Brazen and the Beast. This is Sarah's writing at another level. Um, It is Wit and Hattie, and Hattie is um, going to have the year of Hattie. She's going to seize control of her own destiny by ruining herself, but instead of doing this... I mean, what other way? (laughs) What other way? Instead of going about this the traditional way that we've seen where, you know, she'll try and seduce someone in a ballroom or whatever, she's going to a brothel that serves women. She's made an appointment. She has a list of requirements. Like, this is... I feel like a lot of people in this room, this would be how we would approach it. Like, I've got a plan. Yeah. I've made a spreadsheet with my desirable traits. She's done... The Regency equivalent of making a spreadsheet. Um, she, she's got her outfit picked out. There's, there is a plan in place. And she gets to the carriage in that moment, ready to go to the brothel and seize control of her own destiny by having a man named Nelson who meets her requirements, take her virginity, and there's an unconscious man bound in the carriage. And this man is not part of the plan. Like, <laughs> He is very inconvenient. But he's also very handsome. Very pretty. I mean, come on. It's just good luck, you guys. This is this is the one inspired by Tom Hardy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean all of them are inspired by Tom Hardy, but yes. So Hattie's plan is not. It's been foiled, and that's like, can you imagine you put this much planning into something that's like that monumental in your life? And like this was not the thing that you expected to happen. But Instead of panicking and running back inside and crying because her plan has been ruined, Hattie is like, no, we're, we're doing this. Like, he's just, we're going to keep moving. And this is page three. Yeah. yeah. I'm not giving anything away. And so she gets in the carriage, and her best friend is her, like, getaway driver, and they proceed to the brothel. And on the way, the man wakes up, and she's kind of questioning him a little bit. Um, but Hattie's not, I'm swearing, right? Can I swear? Hattie is not fucking around. <laughs> He's pretty. She's going to kiss him. And then she's going to push him out of the carriage because he's in The moving carriage. So she it kisses slows him. down. <laughs> Thanks to he Sophie lives. Jordan. Um, so yeah, that's because of Sophie Jordan, you guys. You should, you're going to... I'm spoiling the Wicked Wallflowers it's fine, podcast, it's but fine. she was like, um, if she pushes him out of the carriage and they're just careening down this road, <laughs> he could die. And I was like, what if it slows down to turn? And she's like, Fine. <laughs> fine. So she kisses him, she pushes him out of the carriage, and with his cat-like reflexes, because he's like a bare-knuckle boxer king of the underworld of Covent Garden, like, is anyone else just like... um, He, you know, lands on his feet, and because she has come to his neighborhood where he is king, he's able to track this carriage down. And he knows what that building is that she's going into. And so when she gets in the room, instead of Nelson appearing, Wit appears. And she's like... You're not Who Nelson. would have ever expected it? <laughs> she's like, you're not Nelson. And he's like, how do you know? I could be Nelson. And she's like, no, you don't meet my requirements. Like, I had a list. And, and he's like, what? Like, 
how do I not meet your requirements? And she's like, you're too, too much. Like, just, there's too, too big, too much. Yeah. And, you know. The, the universal complaint, oh, no, there's too much. This is not man. something Wit has heard before. <laughs> oh, those muscles, I can't. It's such a problem. <laughs> and so, you know, this story unfolds from there. I have not given any spoilers away. This is all happening in, like, the first five or ten pages. And then it just, but it's like Sarah has channeled Cressley into her work. That yep. just, like, fearlessness and the like go for it bonkers lean into it but it's still this like gorgeous historical and it's the characters are wonderful and Hattie is just my like everything so I yeah I don't know if it'll be out it's this week Tuesday this week so don't have to wait long yeah I just yeah I hugged Sarah when we got here thank you Who's going next? Am I going next? I don't know. Okay, I'm going to go next. Um, I um, am going to... It's funny because I was thinking a lot about, because it's like librarians, about YA romance, which is... Like, I I sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I love romance. And then I think back, like, I loved Sweet Valley High. I loved, like, all those, like, silhouette, like, first love. I don't remember what they were called. Um, I, like, right, I was like, oh, yeah, I've been been on this romance train for a really long time. But... so this is like a YA romance that I really loved um, called I Believe in a Thing Called Love by Maureen Goo. And I don't know if anybody's read it, but it is, um, you know what, it's funny because I feel like we're always having this conversation about like whatever happened to romantic comedy in like adult romance. And I'm like, just read <laughs> YA romance if that's your jam because it's so good. And in this story, um, and of course I don't ever remember characters' names, and I know that makes me a terrible person. Um, but, you know, I, I, lo- I do love it. Um, the heroine is, um, like, she's going to be a senior, and she's just, like, this classic overachiever, right? She's, like, captain of the soccer team. She does all these things. But the thing that her she can never figure out is, like, how to date these boys she likes. And she's, like, a disaster. Um, and, you know, so and every time it's, like, trying to be a meet-cute, it just, like, turns into this, like, crazy nightmare. So she is such an overachiever that she decides she just needs to do some, like, dating research. And what she does is she watches, like, she binge-watches, like, an entire weekend of K-dramas. And she then makes a list of all of the things she learned from K-dramas and that is going to be, if she surely if she just follows these steps that work in K-dramas, this is going to work in her actual life. With, like, the cute, artsy boy. And it is honestly, like, I just feel like it's so full of comedy, it's so fun, and I, like, I don't know, I find, now that I'm old, I find reading, like, YA romance to just make, I, like, feel like a kid again, and it makes me so happy, and I'm a middle school teacher, and, like, good YA romance is usually in high school, so it's, like, not creepy or weird, because I'm, like, whatever, I don't know who those kids are, um, but, <laughs> but it, it is, it's, like, a really great read, and she, actually, Maureen Goo has written several YA romances, and I just think they're all really spectacular, so if you are looking to give great books to, uh, to a a young person in your life outside of the dark corner. I, I believe in a thing called love. Good. You do believe in a thing called love. <laughs> True. I was like, that title really spoke to me. It's funny. Every time we ask about favorite books, I feel like I have to talk about Dreams of a Dark Warrior, but I've now talked about that on our podcast and your podcast. Uh, it's like, don't start there. Yeah, so I'm not. It's a Cressley Cole book. Don't start there. there. That's like, 
there's vivisection. Like the heroin's vivisected. Like yeah. don't don't start there. It's a um, lot. So instead, I'm going to talk about my other bananas series that I really love, which is the Guardian series by Mel Jean Brooke. Uh, I don't know if anyone's read that. It's paranormal romance. She also has a steampunk one called The Iron Seas, but I, I like The Guardians. Uh, and it's this world was full of demons and Nephilim and vampires and Nosferatu. And it's like this 10 book series about the battle between these guardians, which are humans who have been resurrected to protect human free will, uh, trying to defeat Lucifer and also a bunch of other demons because like there's a lot of demons. Um, and it is just this fabulous series with really dense world building. Um, they all have these powers related to how they died. So they died protecting humans from the supernatural. So my favorite one in the series, I think it's number four, is Demon Forged. It was actually the first in the series I read, and it's, it's a bit of a like jumping off point because there's a lot of world building, so I might start with book two or three. Um, but it is about Irina, who is a, a slave in Rome, uh, and so her ability when she's been resurrected is she can control metal because she'll never be shackled again. Uh, and she is this crazy barbarian lady who always smells like blood and metal. Um, she's just like the bluntest, most violent, amazing, like she eats the hearts of the things she kills and like this is everything I want in a heroine. <laughs> and she falls in love with a guy who died during the Spanish Inquisition who she trained and his name is Alejandro. And so he controls fire because he was burned to death. Uh, and it is, it's sort of a story about trauma and recovery because she, Irina, ends up being a victim of a demon, um, sort of a sexual assault. Uh, so I'll turn a warning that. And it's about them coming back together centuries after this thing happened that he feels guilty for, that she feels guilty for, um, and trying to form their relationship while also dealing with the fact that Lucifer's trying to unleash a dragon uh, into the mortal realm. So I think Mel Jean Brooke is one of my favorite writers. She's just, her craft is amazing, um, and her details, like, the Iron Seas is the craziest steampunk world I've ever read. It's like the Mongol horde got nanotechnology. Like, if you have not read any Mel Jean Brooke, like, absolutely do that. Yeah, the Iron Duke is... No, is it that? No. The Kraken King. The Kraken King. The Kraken King is, like, number Wait, five. the Iron Duke is her, too. Yes, that was the first yeah. one. My favorite, though, is the, the Kraken King, which she released serialized, actually. Um, it it yeah. was released as a serial? Yeah. And then they eventually... Sold it. Oh my god, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But now I have to go back and look at it because when Cressley really, I'm sorry, now we're in it, you guys. Um, <laughs> but Cressley released the professional as a serial too. I didn't know that. Right? I, didn't, I didn't. Why know. isn't it called Release the Kraken King? <laughs> Come on, you all wanted to know too. That's why you don't write. <laughs> True. Yeah, but. Oh, it's me. Yeah, it's you. Oh, it's me. Um, I, uh, um, well, I hate you guys for saying favorites. Because now I'm like, <laughs> I know, no, well, because I was going to, so right now I'm reading Sabrina Soul's De Delicious Trilogy, which is all, so anybody who listens to the podcast or knows me in real life knows that I am obsessed with food romances because food is my love language. Um, and so, like, I love a chef. Like, I love a scene where a chef, like, cooks a meal and, like, it's inspired by his or her love for another person. And it's just my pure, unadulterated, like, wash over me with your, like, disgusting kitchen smells. Um, right now I'm reading Sabrina Soul's Delicious series. The first one is called Delicious Temptation. And the hero also has this, like, real intense, long-term, like, unrequited longing for the heroine that finally, finally comes true because she's a chef and she needs a lawyer. <laughs> I mean, call a lawyer. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so I'm gonna, so this is how I get around it on the interstitials too. I'm like, 
Oh, I was going to talk about this for three hours, but now I'm going to talk about this. Um, but since we're doing favorites, I'm going to do Naima Simone, which, I mean, you all have heard me, like, you know, sing the praise, sing praises of. Um, Naima Simone writes these really sexy category romances um, that are, I mean, she's done, like, tattoo, par- tattoo artists, and uh, she did that tattoo. It's a tattoo artist and a widow, right? There's a scene oh, out I no, love no, no, like, a widow romance. It's his brother's widow. Brother. Yes! It's his brother's widow. Oh, yeah. It's that's so the, good. That's so sexy. The next one and in the so series is step-siblings. It's half-siblings? I'm like step-siblings. Step-siblings. That's important. We're not quite to incest yet. <laughs> No, she wanted to write a series that was about problematic or confusing relationships, things like that are taboo. a little taboo. Oh, that's yeah. it. Taboo relationships. Yeah. Well, half-siblings would have yeah. right over. Right, right over right. the line. <laughs> um, anyway, but I'm going to recommend the series that came before that, which is the WAGS series, Widows and Girlfriends series. It's an NFL set series. Um, and there are three of them, Scoring with the Wrong Twin, Scoring Off the Field, and Scoring with... Scoring the player's baby. So we all know what happens at the last, in the last one, right? <laughs> um, but I'm going to talk about scoring off the field, which I think... So also, if you've ever heard me talk... So basically, if a, a romance novel is really nice and not at all dark, I'm like, why? There needs to be crying. <laughs> there isn't enough crying in this book. So Friends to Lovers is very hard for me, like as a reader. Um, but this book is so good. It's about best friends from childhood who, um, he's an NFL player, like, he's a superstar, and she's his assistant, um, and they have been best friends forever, and she has been in love with him, like, in deep, unrequited, longing love with him forever. And she has a moment where she realized, where page one of the book, she's like, this is toxic, I can't live my life in any substantive way because I'm so consumed by my love for this person who is never, ever going to love me. Until, I, until she decides to leave. Yeah, so she's like, page one, she's like, I quit. And he's like, what is happening? And Why do you have boobs? Yeah, yeah, and then suddenly he's like, wait, I miss your boobs. No, no, he does. That's not true. That's not how it goes. He no, All of a sudden he notices her curvy, beautiful, womanly figure, though. Oh, all I of mean, I do love it. He was like, that part. So anyway, so then he's like, oh my God, how do I live without you? And it's this beautiful, like, unrequited, like, it's friends to unrequited lovers to, like, complicated, uh, what do we do? And Naima does it so, so, so well. And also, but what's really important about this, and I think this is true of all romance, or, like, all great romance, is, like, the, the changes in the characters are so, like, they're, they're from the core in this book. Like, mm-hmm. She, has, she realizes that she has to change, like, she has to take herself in hand to be, to be able to respect herself. And he realizes that he has to be more than, like, the NFL player with, a, with drive in order to, like, be him, himself in completion. And they both have to do work on their own in order to deserve each other. And it's just so perfect because that's how every romance mm-hmm. novel should be. Yeah. And she's also just one of the best, funniest people that we've ever talked to. If you I don't like Naima, Naima is amazing. hilarious. Yeah. I like almost peed myself yeah. when we we recorded yeah. over there twice, and like 
She has a brand. She's a brand. College. Yep. She branded herself in college, and we got that story. As one like, does. <laughs> oh, I couldn't breathe. She's hysterical. I love her so much. This is my favorite part about being friends with you guys, though, because we, I, I like we can we just talk about the books, and then I like can text you and be like, "What's Naima like?" <laughs> and you're like, "Amazing." When she says like, "It's," I'm giving it away now, but it's a Zeta brand, and she says like, "Yeah, but I'm older. I'm, I've had kids in my stomach and whatever." And she's like, "So now it's Zeta." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, I thought you, I like literally, okay, you guys, I, I, I maybe haven't had enough coffee. I was like, oh, like a, like a brand. No, like a, like marketing. Brand. Like a yeah, marketer. Like marketing. No. I was like, like God, Naima so Simone TM. Like, not a tattoo, like, a brand. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, my brand is I like books. That is a different yeah. brand. Wait, I really, I hope that is branded on your Can we talk about this stuff? Because it feels like a brand would be a lot, like a lot of pain. Yeah. yeah. She I don't got like that. There's a whole, yeah, there's a that whole That feels story. like it's straight out of Vivisection Island. Yeah. yeah. No wonder you guys like it. Yeah. No, Sarah Hawley's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did know, I knew of several people who got branded in high school. I, I've never been no, branded. we're not going down this rabbit hole. Well, if you, wait, no, if you've been branded, come find us later. Yeah. We have questions. Uh, if you want our, our podcast logos branded on your bodies, we will be offering that service. Um, <laughs> we give you authorization to use our logos. <laughs> Someone's going to do it. No one is going to do it. No. So I'm like trying to figure out you how You want me many... to go next? No, no, no. Think... I know. I'm trying to figure out if we're going to have time for one or two more each well, because I... We're going to do one each and then we're going to do lightning round. We okay. actually do have a time thing this time. Yeah. yeah 12 so... more minutes. I'm going to talk about another person's book who is in the room, and that is Desperate Measures by Katie Roberts. Katie Roberts! Katie, where are you? Raise your hand. She's the gorgeous one in the Anyone beautiful dress. Anyone who knows me or has listened to our podcast knows I love a villain. Like, I really love a villain. And I was the sort of twisted kid where, like, I had Jafar fantasies before he was hot. <laughs> Like, saw Aladdin as a kid and was like, yeah, that one. Um, the red bikini, I don't know. There was a thing. And so I've always, we talked about this on the show before the live action Aladdin came to be a thing. And then when live action, like when that first pictures of Jafar came out, I was like, <gasps> they understand. Like, they, they've done it. And so I posted in our Facebook group, like, hot Jafar is now a thing. Like, all of you can understand now. And so Katie Roberts sees it and is like, ooh, like, this is triggering something for me and I'm feeling like like I need daddy Dom Jafar and I was like Katie I need it like immediately please write it and she's like okay so Katie goes off to her writing cave and just like three days later or something has has cranked out desperate measures and this sounds bonkers like it sounds ridiculous I'm like daddy Dom Jafar and you're all like that's not a fantasy of mine I am not into this. That's not a kink of mine. And I guarantee, I don't know how many people have probably walked up to Katie at this conference and been like, I did not know I had this fantasy, but I do now. What are some other book wrecks of this? Like, so many people have been messaging me and asking, like, what are other Daddy Dom books? Because it's Jafar. And, like, when I started reading it, I was like, oh, I'm just going to really quickly read a couple of chapters and was just like, I can't put it down because it's, like, bonkers from page one. And he just, like... Yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but it's but Jasmine also has like agency and power and part of the story is her reclaiming that through her relationship with Jafar and the consent is just so beautifully spelled out even though they're like flirting with that line and it just I don't know if I don't know how to get other people to read it besides to just like keep talking about it over and over and over again, but I just feel like it came from Katie's id. It's like 
those books, those really special books where you can feel that it just like poured out of the author and that comes across in the page. And the next one she keeps teasing us with is going to be, so it's now like a whole Disney villains series. And it's this cool world building where it's like happening in this modern, like alternate sort of urban setting. Um, yep. And the next one not is- Agrabah. So not yeah, it's not this like, is a different Jafar. It's a contemporary romance, so <laughs> there's no like magical elements necessarily. But the next one is Hades, Meg, and Hercules. And Ooh. Hades we meet in the first book, and he's like the the king of the uh, the underground sex club in this yeah. world. Which so. is something that we came up with when you were on our podcast. Yeah, we were like we were like he needs to own a sex club, and then you make a deal with him, and then there yeah. you are. So. That is my rec. If you have not read it yet, you are, do yourself a favor and go check it out. But the best thing about that book is that it's written in like this intense, like it closes, the circle closes around them. Yeah. And it's so like, I, I talk about this all the time that like the hardest romance, not, like whenever I read a book that's written like two characters in a phone booth, which is what that book feels like, like you're just, you're in there with them while they're just like falling for each other and boning. And like it's awkward, but like, amazing and very sexy it's so i can never wrap my head around how authors do it katie does it so well charlotte stein does it so well and like that kind of work where you're sort of the the thing about romance is like i always say it's like doing ballet in a phone booth right like we all know how it's going to end we know the beats that it has to hit and but for people like me like i have to build you know out an entire universe in london to do it but like the, if you can do it in one room which is what desperate measures feels like um it's it's just magnificent like the craft is just top notch so yay thank you katie for writing the book of my fantasies 13 year old jenny thanks you um one that uh, I'm going to wreck is the Beyond series by Kit Rocha, which, or Rocha, I never know how to say it's it. Ro I think it's Roca. Roca. Well, yeah. I did it wrong twice. Um, <laughs> Kit Roca, this is amazing dystopian erotic romance with like all kinds, it's, it's a, this futuristic city where the rich live in the towers and then the poor people are outside sort of scraping and making do in these districts. Uh, and it follows a gang of like polyamorous bootleggers who just like, they just want to drink whiskey and have sex and then maybe overthrow the totalitarian government. Um, so <laughs> it's like 10 books or something, and they're so good. Uh, and it deals a lot. They're wonderful with issues of consent. Um, again, there are some like recovery from trauma storylines because this is a very dark world. But the writing's beautiful. Uh, it's two authors. It's Brie and Donna writing together. Um, and I, I love sci-fi fantasy, and I want more of that in romance. And so I think Jen was actually, why haven't you started the Beyond series? I was like, well, do I really want polyamorous bootleggers? And it's like, yes, I do. Uh, so very explicit, very amazing. Um, yeah. Oh, and they're actually having a series coming out in 2020 that's a mercenary librarian series. <laughs> so it's going to be dystopian librarians on the road with like a biker gang, I think. Something like that. Because librarians save the world. Yeah. Um, I'm envisioning like books piled up in a sidecar. <laughs> <laughs> you throw that man out. I'm sure it's sexier than that. I really, but I mean, like that's pretty sexy. I mean, I would actually that would be great. Like this leather-clad like motorcycle guy who lets you put a sidecar with all yes. your books. Do any you of you have sidecar books? Because that's awesome. Get them. Yeah, you, we've made our order. Okay, I'm going to talk about Managed by Kristen Callahan. Um, yes. 
Which is like, so my, okay, in real life I would hate this, but in a book, I love that hero who is like so locked down emotionally that he like doesn't even know he has feelings. And in this case, this dude's name is Scotty, which I know that doesn't sound like this guy. His real name's Gabriel, and he's just like, he's the manager of this band. And he's the one who has to keep all of these, like, wild musician types in, in check, right? Like, that's his job. And he was childhood friends with these guys, and he views this as, like, a real responsibility. And he meets this woman named Sophie, and he, like, does not disapprove of her because she's, like, a bohemian, and, you know, she's just, like, a real, you know, fun-loving, freewheeling kind of character. So, of course, is there anything more delicious in romance than fun, freewheeling character meets you know, emotional lockbox? The answer is no. So it's also really interesting because I really, some of my favorite books are books that have like a trope I really dislike. Or, or, right, and in this case, I really suffer from insomnia. And in this book, essentially, he has insomnia, but he can only sleep when when she sleeps with him. And I'm like... (laughs) And I'm like... I'm like... Look, that's not the way this works, but... It is, though. It is. It is. It is. And it's so good. And she calls him Sunshine, even though he is not sunshiny at all. And if you mentioned this book on Twitter, I will just reply in all caps and say, Scotty, and then put some sort of, like, swooning gif, right? Where it's just, like, somebody like, oh. Scotty. Yeah, and he's like, it's just platonic co-sleeping. Like, it's, it's platonic co-sleeping. Oh, sleep. God. Ignore it's the morning so line. good. But the second, you know... The, the whole series is really good. The best thing about romance is that when you find an author, you find, like, their entire oh, yeah. backlist and everything. And series are so fun when you have friends who read romance because you never agree on which book is the best book in the series. And we do not agree on that. Oh, yeah, no. Because You're my wrong. favorite book is the next book in the series. I mean, everyone's um, wrong we, once. <laughs> I'm never wrong. Um... <laughs> In fact, the tags on our podcast page, there is a tag that says, Jen is wrong again. It's because I do the tags. But, um, but, the, but the, um, the, the best thing, but that second book, I just want to shout out because Kristen is such a brilliant writer, but that book has um, STI rep in it. The hero, it's, he's a rock star, so like he's been slutting it around uh, a lot. And in the very beginning of that book, he's um, he's diagnosed with chlamydia, so he can't sleep with like suddenly he can't sleep with anybody. And so and she does this really thoughtful like rap of like and it's the first time I think I've ever seen a hero, like who really probably should have you know an STI have an STI. Um, and then also, but that book also deals so thoughtfully with mental with mental illness, with depression, with suicide. Kristen is just, at, she is writing right now at the top of her game, but I mean, like, her game has always been high. The Darkest London series, which is Steampunk. Yeah. Have you read that? Yes. I okay, mean, it's but fabulous. Scotty. <laughs> but Scotty can't sleep without her. <laughs> you guys, it's so fun. Um, okay, we've got just a couple minutes, and we promised we would let you guys do. So if you want to ask for Rex or like a trope, uh, something you're looking for, I really want to put them on the spot because we were looking for like, Dick piercing Rex the other day, and Wait, no I, I, oh, I have like five yeah, of those. That's like kiss. Like that's I mean, not even a challenge. But all right, who's got one? Something you're looking for? I'm gonna get my exercise run, this morning. Run, run. So, uh, infertility without the magic baby at the end. 
Oh, what is I have that infertility without the magic baby? Oh, I got uh, one. Isabel <sighs> loves um, unconventional. I got it. It's me. <laughs> buzz, buzz. Oh yeah, Isabel loves unconventional. The heroine. Um, it's it's really it's uh, also friends to lovers. Um, and they are kind of like friends with benefits at the beginning. It's really sexy. There's menage in it, but it's ultimately just the two of them who end up together. Um, but uh, she has had a hysterectomy, and it's actually part of the conflict of the book. She feels like she can't like be a full... Like, she's having to work through like what it is to be a woman without like female parts um, at, you know, after a hysterectomy. And, you know, she's not cured, so... Oh, also shout out um, Thief of Shadows Who's by next? Elizabeth so Hoyt for historical. Uh, and that has a heroine who, after three failed pregnancies, can't... Have, and, of course, the hero, like, desperately wants a family. So, All no right. magic babies. Okay, so I work at a college, and it's a trades college. So I have a lot of guys. It's about 60, 40 guys, girls. And I really want the guys to start reading romance. So I'm looking for things that are books by... where the hero's a welder, or he's a mechanic or he works somehow in the trades field. I have one for these. Um, the Wedding Night by Katie Wilde is about, um, it's a marriage of convenience between a mechanic uh, and a neurodivergent, ver- neurodivergent billionaire heroine who t- he wants to take down his family, but he's the, he's the wrong side of the tracks guy. Um, Penny Reed has a whole series, the beard, like the beard series, and people really like those. And then I have one, and I, okay, you're going to maybe email me, because I think the author's name is Meg something. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. But is yeah, there a Meg in the room? Yeah. You know what? Um, and maybe, wait, is Anna in here? Okay, no. Um, there's a, there's a, a one about a, a guy who's a carpenter, and it's right after the downturn. And he is, re, like, he is, his business is dried up. He'd been doing all this, like, custom cabinetry work. And so he's really struggling to, like, sort of keep afloat and keep his house. And he meets this woman who um, is, like, coming out of the military, and she's kind of looking for her. So I'm going to look on my Kindle, and afterwards I'll find it for you. But I really like the story of him, like, sort of feeling like, oh, people were desperate for my work, but now there's the downturn, and how am I going to do that? So he's, I think, learning to be an electrician to sort of, like, kind of compensate for that. And it is also hot. Um, and then there's uh, Katie Roberts's. It's se- no, wait, Katie Roberts. It seems like a good, this is not. It seemed like a good idea at the time, um, which is set in Australia, and it's a um, reunion story. The hero is a contractor who works for the heroine's father, um, and has um, like when she turned eight, he's. He's like 10 years older than she is. And when she turned 18, she like kisses him at her birthday party and he's like, oh shit. And then he embarrasses her and she leaves town and she comes back 10 years later and it's pretty great. I think we probably got time for one more because I've come to the back for this one more. And then I, did the books appear? Is that what's over there? The, the missing books? The Avon books? Yeah. Oh wait, yeah. what are they? We'll shout them out. All right, so let's do the one more because I have told her that we can do it. I would love books with sexy ghosts. Sexy, sexy ghosts. Go- oh, Dark Needs at Night's Edge. Yeah, yeah. yeah Dark, Dark Conrad tied night to a radiator. Uh, make sure you pick up Dark Needs at Night's Edge. Um, so our wait, it's one of the books. That, one of the Cressley books uh, is a ghost story, and it's delicious. Oh, you know what? One of the oh my god, this is actually really cute. It's kind of ghosty. I 
think it's going to be close. One of the Rita books by Suzanne Brockman was called Out of Body. And what happens is, essentially, it's more like a, um, so it's these two guys. One is, he's like unrequited love for his best friend, of course. And essentially, he gets almost more like a possession. And what happens is, uh, the other friend has to like figure out how to save him from this ghost that essentially wants to like come back in his body. And it's really cute by Suzanne Brockman, Out of Body. I feel like I want more sexy ghosts as well. And I'm having like a flashback to some conversation I had with someone where we were going to do like a possession romance called um, Possess My Pussy. Uh, that is not written yet, but if someone wants to write that, please do. You guys get to see my facial expressions when Sarah says bonkers stuff, because it's in person, and I'm just like, what? Um, okay, so the missing books have appeared. Yeah, these we, are from Avon. We each got to pick an Avon title, and mine actually has a historical construction plot in it. Um, oh, yeah. For the one who was looking for contractors, or, you know, trades. Because my husband is in construction, so I was like, yeah, historical construction. Um, and it's A Scandalous Deal by Joanna Shoup. And it's that fabulous romance trope where you like hook up with someone and then the next day discover it's your new boss. Um, it's so always it's, that. If you have a one-night stand, the next day that's going to be your new boss. Yeah. It's so lucky to know that already, though. <laughs> None of us would ever fall for that. Yeah, so it's like a, it's a Gilded Age. It's got historical construction, and it has a lady architect. So it's good. Mine is Dreaming of You, which we talked about at the beginning. The heroine is a writer. She's basically writing Pamela, for those of you who um, know about early romantic uh, stories. And the hero owns a casino, and she basically saves his life at the very beginning, and it's really romantic, and I love it. And also, there's... It's Lisa. It doesn't get better. If you've never read Lisa Kleypas, fix that now. Yeah. Okay, mine is The Takeover Effect by Nisha Sharma. She won last night for my so-called Bollywood Life. And um, I really like this story because Mina is a lawyer and she is a badass and she knows it, which is like my favorite type of heroine. And she ends up essentially, um, but it's really interesting, like the men in her life don't really respect the work that she does. So they give her this job to sort of essentially be like a liaison, I don't know, lawyer stuff, with um, Hem Singh, who he is coming back to help his family's business. And um, I really like, so they end up like sort of working together. There's some corporate espionage, which I was always like, I'm fascinated by. I'm like a teacher. I'm like, oh, look. Um, and I just think it's like a really great story and also like a Rita winner. Woo. And it's got a hot cover. And like anytime there's yes. leather, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, mine is Unmasked by the Marquis by Kat Sebastian, who I am obsessed with. Uh, and it's so good. It's... Um, it's about this non-binary housemaid masquerading as uh, a man who then realizes that maybe she doesn't identify as a woman anymore because she's been doing this long con to try and help her sister because they don't have a man in the family. Uh, and so through this masquerade, realizing her gender identity is a little more complicated than she thought. Uh, and the hero is this grumpy bisexual Marquis who is just charmed by her and it's just it's lovely and it's a wonderful exploration of identity um, and it's a historical and I'm obsessed with it. I wanted to pick it as my title too but didn't want to have to say Marquis Marquis Marquis. Yep. It's, it's, Mar room, it's Marquis so. if it's French and it's Marquis. Marquis. It's Marquess if it's your me. Um, okay I there's also apparently copies of Nine Rules to Break When Romancing a Rake by Sarah which is my favorite. Um, it's, I mean, it's not my favorite. No, we have to wrap up. Favorite. We have to wrap up. It's your favorite. 
I'll sign them for you. Ralston. Um, I say it the same way. I say Scotty. That's all you oh, need to Oh, yay. Know. We are um, the Wicked Wallflowers. Where can we find you? WickedWallflowersClub.com, which is not regularly updated because I do not have my shit together. Um, <laughs> but, but our Facebook group is the Wicked Wallflowers Coven, and it's yeah. just like authors, and it's a very positive yeah. place. And on romance lovers. Social, all podcasting yeah. apps. Yeah. Yeah. And social media is always WCKD Wallflowers yeah. for Instagram and Twitter. And we are Faded Mates, and you can find us at FadedMates.net or on Twitter at Faded Mates, on Instagram at Faded Mates Pod, or you can just yell in our faces. In your local bookstore on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Brazen. Brazen. The and then we have pins and stickers and um, Cressley and Avon. Thank you to Pocket and Avon for the donated books. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.